going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Truth Filled Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Robertson. Alongside of me, Joe Hecker. Joe, how are we doing tonight? Doing wonderful. Excellent. Glad man. to be here. A lot going on in the world this week. I want to open up tonight's episode with the news of President Trump contracting COVID-19 and the left's response. Well, not all of the left, but yeah. some of the left's response. I mean, these people are ruthless, heartless. I mean, and some of this stuff is just, I mean, it bothers me to the core to have to read some of this stuff that I've, I've seen on Twitter outlets, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, how can you say that stuff about the president of the United States? Never in the history. I mean, of course, big tech, social media, it's bigger today than it's ever been. And there's a lot of people in in politics who use it as a platform and, you know, just other random people just saying stuff. But Zara Rahim, who apparently was a former Obama White House staffer and Clinton national spokeswoman, tweeted, I hope he dies. Her tweet says, it's been against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years, but I hope he dies. Come on, man. I mean, sorry for the Joe Biden drop there, but come on, man. That that is, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, it just baffles me. At the end of the day, in a world of hate, don't. Yeah, I I mean, and that's ultimately a lot of these people are showing their true colors, where they were just. They were just coming out saying, oh, we, you know, he needs to condemn this. He needs to do this. He needs, he's, he didn't talk down this. He did this. And then the next day they're, they're wishing his death. So ultimately it's a lot of these people are showing their true colors. At the end of the day, we have to recognize there are good people and there are evil people in this world. There are a lot of bad people in really high positions, in prominent positions all over the world right now, because ultimately our, our culture has reinforced a, a really a society of corruption and a society of bad behaviors to where I can be a complete jackass for, you know, lack of a better term and be some big wig, you know, journalist, this and that, and literally believe that my whole, you know, my whole existence is worth more than anyone else's. Another thing too, frankly, I'm, I'm getting kind of sick of Hollywood and all the actors and actresses professional athletes. Some, I, I ran across Tom Arnold's Instagram page. For those of you who don't know Tom Arnold, he's an actor. He was in true lies, you know, funny guy, really funny guy, but Super he liberal. was advertising his children to promote a political agenda. He called Trump a white supremacist in a video. And this seems to be a trend, um, you know, amongst Hollywood, you know, Hollywood hates Trump. I, I cannot, I can't figure it out for I the life why. of me. I mean, it's very obvious. Well, we're, we're going to get, I'm going to get to your point in a minute, but, um, I mean, it's just, it's sad. And, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this because there's obviously an agenda behind it as well. Without a doubt. I mean, Hollywood didn't hate Trump prior to 2015 because he had no, he had no political aspirations. No, they didn't love him because how many he, rap songs has Trump been named? Oh, he—I don't even know. He was in—he was in a <laughs> lot of lot of different publications. He had his own shows, everything. 
what's amazing is there's a lot of footage and stories of all the incredible things that Trump has done for normal people. If this you want to give you any glimpse of the man, he never advertises any of those stories. True, but he's a white supremacist. It, it, like there's there's a very I grabbed a footage yes the other day of from The Apprentice where. So congratulations today. That's a great victory. I was not that surprised to see that you won. You know, the first victory gives you confidence. It gives you a lot of other things. And John, congratulations on being a good leader today. Thank you. He led well. The team did well. I was sitting right next to one of the most powerful men in the world. And the coolest thing for me, he leans over and he goes, hey, John, good job. And stuck his hand out. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Great going, Jack. And terrific. Yes. I've been waiting a very long time to ask this. Uh -oh, this sounds like trouble. <laughs> and I just want to know if the story is true or not. You were traveling to Atlantic City, and your limo broke down. Husband and wife pulled up behind, and the husband basically said, I'm going to help him out. So he helped out the limo limousine, and a week later, the husband and wife received the deed to their house paid off. Was that a true story? It's true. It's true. That is awesome. <laughs> that just goes to show what type of man he is. A great man. There was a guy saying after they had a Trump meeting, and there was also a piece in there that a lot of people didn't pick up about Trump's leadership. And that's that was what, what I was always attracted around Trump is just because, of yeah, he had this aura and this example, but everyone kind of locked in on the way he leads. And even in that example where it was The Apprentice, one of the things that the guy said is like, man, here it is. This is guy's the, the leader, you know, just this big business tycoon leans over, puts his hand out and says, hey, man, that was a good job today. You did. You showed some good leadership. Right. And, you know, that tricks me because that's the type of leadership behaviors that we taught about all the time in our classes. And here it is on air in this in this little two minute clip shows Trump doing that, giving the performers response saying, man. That thing that jacked me up. It's like that. It that was literally the the identical definition of positive reinforcement. Absolutely. 100%. And then from there, you had in this all in this one little clip. From there, you have a scenario where this individual is asking Trump. He said, "You know, I, I heard there was a story that you were on your way out of their way from you know going from Jersey up to New York City, and your limo broke down. This couple pulled up behind." start helping out the limo driver and help change the tire. A, you know, a week later, these people find out that they're, they, they get the, they get their deed for their house in the mail saying that it's paid for and it was paid for by you. And, and Trump kind of sit there and he was just like, yeah, it's true. Like, but he's not out about it. No. And, and there's multiple, multiple stories that I can point to that are like that, but yet you've never seen it in a campaign ad. You've never seen it anywhere. Because I think that speaks more to him, the man. What's really impressive is I, I read the book, The United States of Socialism by Dinesh D'Souza. Now, if you're not familiar with Dinesh D'Souza, what he actually got in trouble with. So he wrote a bunch of movies about Obama and was very, he was kind of Obama's public enemy. He was very bold about what Obama was doing, what he was trying to do and what his, what his administration was doing. And when Obama got into office, he went after Dinesh D'Souza and punished him with the to the full extent of the law for campaign um, misuse of funds, where he basically donated more than the over the political amount to a friend of his. And because and it was just they went they threw everything at the book at him. Well, when Trump got into office, he pardoned him.
and he got to meet him. And one of the things that he said upon meeting him is how, how sincere and, and like in the moment he is with every individual that he's, he's talking to. And that really just kind of to show you, yeah, the media is going to be painting these pictures and they've, they've literally done it nonstop since 2016 or really 2015, once they realized that he was going to go up against that political machine, that democratic machine that we call, I mean, at this point, it's, it's everything under the sun. I mean, they control the media. They, it's that whole machine is now in power. And they, what they're doing is they're, they face their target on Trump at this point, because he's the one that most puts their plan at risk because they want full control. They want control. They want the American people like just a bunch of sheep eating out of their eating out of their hands. That's what they're looking for at the end of the day. And it's not about individuals or anything like that. It's about them having just ultimate control over the people. And Trump stands in the way of that right now. And so you have the entire political arm, all of the media arms locked with their sights on him. But they're not going for him. They're actually going for us. He's just in the way. He doesn't deny them at a minimum. I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. When you say the party is self-destructing, what do you see as the biggest problem with the Reform Party right now? Well, you've got David Duke just joined. A bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal statement renouncing the support of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. How many times do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. About the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned. To me back to my point. The hot topic this week has been Trump is a white supremacist, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a human being with a brain, it is glaringly obvious, and I would encourage you all, if you if you missed the debate, I know it was a debacle. I know it was. I would encourage you to go back and watch it for a second time. Uh, you know, take all the emotion out of it and just listen. But Chris Wallace asked Trump if he would condemn white supremacists, neo-Nazis, etc. on stage, and he said, sure, three times. He said yeah, name, and then he said name a group. Enough, he said name a group, and what's even worse is not good enough. It happened in 2016. It's there are multiple accounts of him denouncing white supremacy. What is it? With that? And you know what's funny is I watched a video where they talked about how, you know, well if Trump's a racist, well then his supporters are racist. Okay. Well, if that's the case, why does he just deny? Why why wouldn't he just say he's a white supremacist? <laughs> because he's not going to lose his support then. If all his supporters are racist, mm -hmm. why would he say that then? Why wouldn't he? Because at the end of the day, he's not. He's doing this for the people. What it's very obvious in, at this in, point. In 2015, a reporter asked him if, if you know, he wanted David Duke support. In, no, and, and he, and he, he denounced it. Was, he, he, was, he, has he has been on the forefront of denouncing hate groups. But he was right to point out, look it, we're not seeing hate groups on the right right now. None of them, I mean, they may be out there. I'm not going to deny that they're not out there. But, dude, sure. I had to because go look up Proud Boys. To, it's a behavioral issue. There are bad people. But I had to look up Proud Boys. I had no idea who they yeah, were. But we know who Antifa and BLM are. And those are not right-wing groups.
And we we see the after effects of what they're doing all over the country right now. And what's been allowed to happen in certain cities. So Ran by certain certain people. With that, we're going to take a break. We'll be back for our second segment. Hey guys, welcome back to the Truth Pilled Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We're going to move on to our second segment. Uh, some new information has been brought to our attention today. I'm going to let Joe elaborate on a little bit more, but it involves the Brianna Taylor case. Joe, you heard the news. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, just to, just to clarify what the news is, what they're saying now is that, and I know they were, they were pushing to get the grand jury uh, evidence unsealed. And I don't know if this came out from the unsealing of the evidence. I didn't read that. So I don't, don't quote me on that. But what I read is that now the boyfriend was, is saying that Brianna shot at the police. And apparently that was his original testimony. And then it was changed. So now this whole narrative that was, that she was, even though, even though there's already a thousand holes in the narrative. Do you think he's trying to cover his own ass right now though with that statement what well, i mean i know you said it's his original testimony and she can't she's not here anymore. she's not here so. and i don't know that i have no idea because she was on the prison record tapes of going in there working out the money deals with the ex-boyfriend she was on tape at all at the drug houses doing exchanges and she was on the warrant they were going to her house her name was listed on the warrant I've seen video. I've heard people talk about it. She was the she was the drug pin, not anyone else. She was the one that was showing up on the street corners and saying, "This is my turf." Like it was that it was her turf, because after working in that world, she had taken over that taken over the that industry after the boyfriend went to jail. I don't know enough of the details. I wasn't there. I can only go off of what I've read, but there's a lot of evidence that really looks like she was in on this drug ring. And now if they're saying that he originally saying that she was not in, I mean, because the narrative was she was in bed sleeping, but then we heard from the police reports that they saw two figures in the hallway and bullets were coming at them. So it very well. And now if we're hearing that that was the original testimony that she shot first and then it was changed. Now think about it. If P, if the black leaders got to him and said, you need to change this testimony so that we can set her up as a victim that doesn't surprise me at all with the way the corruption works in this world. I mean, we have to understand that we've got corruption at every level and our culture literally is reinforcing it at this point. We are never truly going to know, truly know the, the truth out of that case. Folks, remember, we have to base things off of facts, not feelings, and a preponderance of evidence, so to speak. Um yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an unfortunate situation. You don't want anyone to any that to happen at any time. But at the same Absolutely sense, you, you know, consequences change behaviors, and we've we've really engineered a lot of consequences out of this world. Now, if we want to sit there and say that there shouldn't be consequences for being in the drug world, that's a whole other conversation. But there's laws there right now. I, I'm willing to have that conversation about how what should be decriminalized and what shouldn't because. I'm kind of with the founders on this one. If it ain't affecting me and ain't hurting me and my family and you're, and it's just affecting you, 
I don't really care what you put in your body. So from a stance of legality, I'm with you on that, but the laws are the laws. And right now, if you're openly disobeying those laws, that make you that makes you a criminal. Freedom of choice, but not freedom from consequence. Absolutely. Hashtag truth pill. We're going to take a quick break, guys. Back to the Truth Pill Podcast. We're going to move along into a big topic that's coming about over the summer, but specifically with uh, the Breonna Taylor case and how certain media outlets have spun it, and that is censorship. Joe, your thoughts? Well, I see the Breonna Taylor case to me is very interesting because like when I first learned about it, I learned about it through Elevation Church, through Pastor Alan Gray, and, and they had a meeting. This was when this was right after the George Floyd stuff took place, which we all agreed was a tragedy. But it also it also put up a lot of question marks for us because it just seemed really out of control. And then when we look at the data of what's going on with actual police brutality, none of it correlates to the storyline that's being pitched. Doesn't Doesn't correlate. So yet what was said to what was exposed to me about Breonna Taylor was that she was a a paramedic sleeping in her bed, no knock warrants. And that's the first thing that you heard. First time I heard about this case. And you're like, oh my gosh, wow. And so I'm sitting there saying, man, I need to do some research on it. Because that's that's that's, that's what I heard as this is how this story is being laid out, and I like John Gray, I like Elevation, but at the same time, I like when I start seeing some type of narrative being pitched, feelers go up in the back of my head where it's just like, it's what not, is the end game? It's not just any narrative, but for me personally, it was a forced narrative. Yes, led led down. Where all of a sudden a now this country is this big, huge racist country, did I, did, and it's yeah, did I do something? Um, yes, one hundred percent. And you're you're questioning everything, and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. I mean, but that that was like a, almost like a scare tactic. One, yes. Well, and that's see what if you take anything out of this podcast, I want you to take home and read "Rules for Radicals" by Saul Alinsky, because that is that is literally the playbook that they are operating out of. And, and we can put the link. And we will put. I'll put the link in it. I'll 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 attach the book because it's it's something that really, if you want to be informed, you have to understand how these people are thinking and how they're trained to think. (laughs) Let's take Black Lives Matter. On its head, Black Lives Matter. We all agree with that statement. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Just the same way the communists, when they when they pushed for the worker, everyone was for the worker. No one wants no one wants to beat up the worker. But ultimately, what these groups are looking to do have nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. See, if Black Lives Matter was all about saving black lives and helping their their community, they'd be focused right on their own community. Because right now in black America, the crime rate is out of control. Because the culture has literally trained them to hate each other. I mean, I've had one-to-one conversations with black men that have grown up in the hoods. And this differs between white people and black people. This is their culture. You have to understand this. And he said it this clear to me. If you grew up on the east side of town and I grew up on the west side of town, I'm supposed to hate you. 
Do you, do you have you ever experienced that in white culture? No. So we have to understand that cultures are shifting and di and differences. There are differences among our people. We're not all a bunch of we're not all the same people. America was always a melting pot. We were never a standardized nation. So there's always cultural differences. But what we see is their culture has literally been eroded by the left. There's no morals, no no vacancies, no nothing. There is there's literal zero culture now. So now you take that, you have an epidemic of people killing each other, and then we're going to shine the flashlight on the police and make that the narrative. And so that's how these optics and everything gets spun around because now we're not actually going to focus on the issues, but we do see all this turmoil going on. Well, it's, it must be the police. With anyone, anyone with half a brain would sit there and say, wait a second, we've had Democrats running these cities for 40, 50 years how come they're complete shitholes? Pardon my front, pardon my language, but that's what they are. I mean, they're they're a mess, and they're only getting worse. And you sit there and say, "Where's all that money going? How are these politicians now living the life of luxury, but all of their districts are falling apart?" It's because we don't know our history, because it's all being censored away. I mean, most people don't even know what the Seventeenth Amendment is. Which was going to lead me next topic you know our history is at stake right now folks the constitution is at stake there are certain politicians out there who are trying to eradicate and rewrite history well i wouldn't even say it's politicians i would say it's more big tech right now i don't know if you i mean i had the opportunity to watch sit down and watch social, social dilemma which is you know everyone's watching it everyone's getting on that bandwagon you know, I had some very interesting takes on it because I was very familiar with what they do. I'm very familiar with the human behavior aspect to it where, I mean, you're basically like test dummies and we are the content, not the other way around. We're, they're selling us to the advertisers. They went really into depth and the first hour and 20 minutes was, was really good. There was a lot of good critical information. But what I found funny at the end is they almost got self-righteous on it where they're like, well, we created it, but we didn't know we were doing this. But yet they continue to keep creating these tools that go deeper and deeper and figure out how people to do this stuff. And, you know, it's almost they were almost like, well, look to us because we can help fix it. And that's just that is the it's the epitome of the leftist mentality where they think they know more than everyone. So they create programs and software that literally controls people because they're not tools. It was no longer software tools like the app that we created is a tool. The software that's out there, there's a lot of tools that are out there, but they don't control human behavior. What social media has done is they're literally in the, they're ultimately building in all these reinforcers to keep people using their applications and, and essentially control the mind of that individual. That's what that software does. And so you have people that make software like this sitting there saying, oh, we know we screwed up this, this time, but we can fix it going around the next time. It's like, why would we trust you guys? And this revelation just kind of came to me, and I'm going to try and, and, and think it out, word it out. But it's almost like now when you think of people, you think of their Twitter name or their, well, their Instagram name rather than them, you know, being an actual person. And we all know, what do you post on? What do most people post on their social media accounts? Highlight reels. 100%. Well, and that's that's kind of what was talked about in this video is you've got a generation of people now that have grown up 
in the social world and that in that and that's a fabric of their life to where that's more real than the real world to them and so that's why you have all of the issues that take place and it's a really good movie it's worth a worth sitting down and watching because there is a lot of good factual information but i just it's an actual movie it's a it's a movie documentary on netflix and it's it's very powerful very good information i just felt the end was a little bit of self-defeating because it just seemed very self-righteous but that's just my perception and that's just because what i've seen what big tech is doing where they sit there and act like oh well we just want to give everyone the freedom and the platforms but then they, at the same time they they lamp down and they can they want to control the sense and censor the information for my example i'm a big george washington fan i love george washington i know a lot of history on george washington i put up a photo the other day of a of a, of a plaque about George Washington going through about free people ought to be armed. And there at the end, I think they, I mean, they, they, they basically paraphrased the end of the quote and called it the government versus he lists literally everything out. And then he's got multiple quotes about, about his fear of the government. And what's interesting is Instagram fact checked it and claims that George Washington didn't say this. Now, granted, he didn't paraphrase and call it government. He literally, one by one, linked out all of the different systems of of how they would want supplies, ammunition, everything, and how you'd have to be armed against your oppressor. So, in ultimate theory, they're 100% right that he didn't exactly say those words, but he said exactly. The, he said a phrase and he said a quote that meant exactly that. And that's what fears me is that what they'll do is they'll get people to instantly say, oh, George Washington didn't believe we should arm our people. And so now that becomes a perception that people start believing all based off of one fact check. And then you take then you move that up. And as that, that theory and that thought process keeps getting really filtered around the internet because it's fact-checked. It keeps getting fact-checked as if this is wrong. We're ultimately spreading fake news now that is, is, is more damaging to the people. How long has fact-checking been going on? Because, you know, until... That started recently. the year of our Lord 2020. It started recently. Right. Within the last few months. Really. Yes. Where they, just, when, they realized when, that they had to start fact-checking everything that's on the internet. But you never saw that prior to this. No. Well, and they're not even right, and half these fact checkers are usually wrong. That's the worst part about it is, is we're literally spreading more misinformation with the fact checks. I mean, they're fact checking Babylon B now, which it's, is it, obviously a it's joke. a satirical website that literally <laughs> has been a joke for twenty years. It feels like, and they're fact checking them now, and it's like, have we have we lost our minds that much? But. A lot of it has to do is we kind of have because we're so wired to our computers, our phones, everything that we're losing the relationships. For those of you who don't know the Babylon Bee, go check it out. Any, And I know we've said this a couple times throughout this podcast tonight, but anybody with half a brain would know that the Babylon Bee is just trying to be funny. Absolutely. I mean, they're just trying to be funny. We've become such a knee jerk, you know, quick to react but slow to listen society. 100%. I feel like that was a little Glenn Beck coming out of me there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys, we're going to wrap it up for the evening. I really appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. And 
Hey, don't take anything that we say as, as you know, hard fact. Do the research yourself. Think independently. Be well. And God bless.